0: Hello everyone, this is Jennifer Bryant and welcome to the Practical Family Podcast, where we are building strong foundations and healthy homes. Well, welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. This is Jennifer Bryant and this episode, we are talking about the secret idols of parenting. Now, I've invited a guest onto the podcast because I first discovered this uh, this topic, really, I started to think about what it meant to have idols in parenting when I read this article called, When Kids Won't Bow to Your Idols. And it's by a lovely woman named Jennifer Phillips. And I've invited Jennifer onto the podcast today to talk about what that means and then to give you a little taste of her new book coming out called Unhitching from the Crazy Train, Finding Rest in a World that You Can't Control. So welcome, Jennifer, to the podcast. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you have been a, a world, uh, not just traveler, but a world um, uh, habiter, right? Is that what you can say it that way, <laughs> yeah. inhabiter. You've lived in Australia for the past seven years, and you're telling me you just moved back to the States as we call it. How, what has that yes. transition been like?
1: Um, it has been a, a whirlwind and um, very emotionally intense. <laughs> it's, it's not easy to, uh, to move a family of six uh, across the world. And um, while we're, you know, it's just mixed. We're really um, excited and thankful to be close to family again and some dear friends, but it was tough. Tough, tough to leave Australia behind.
0: Yeah, you're. That's all, the only home your your kids knew for quite a while there, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were really little when we first moved over there. So, um, so yeah, they're feeling homesick.
0: Oh. But that's normal. Yeah, well, that's good. And now you're in uh, Alabama, mm-hmm. and they're adjusting to that new life in the U.S. and um, taking it one step at a time.
1: That's right. Yep. You know, okay. I'll tell you this really quick. My um, one of my favorite stories about us like transitioning back to the US is the kids kind of went straight into school, and my daughter, who uh, she's in fourth grade, she came home and she said, "Mom, everybody stands up and talks to a flag." (laughs) Oh no. Oh, She's fun. never seen the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, happen before. Oh. So I'm like, oh, there are a few holes that we need to fill in.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> I can't even think of those things, right? Oh, those, no. Wow, oh, those American traditions. Wow. Growing up outside decide the things you don't see. Why do they do that? That would seem so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it would. It would.
1: So, yeah, Aww. we've been throwing thrown a few curveballs, but <laughs> oh,
0: so sweet. Okay, we're getting on the pledge of allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, uh Jennifer, I so oh, so tell me again, you so you have uh, six, no, they're f- four children, and what what are their ages?
1: Um they are 14, 12, 10, and 5.
0: Wow, you've got the range there. And is it one one of your um, daughters is uh, adopted? Is that right? Mm
1: -hmm. Our little Lucy, who's five, we adopted her from China when she was 15 months old. Oh,
0: wow. And you have chronicled that in a book called Bringing Lucy Home. Um, That's right little snippet about that uh, for our audience, because I know that a lot of uh, our families are adoptive or foster parents as well. And I I know quite a few of them have brought children from other countries. So what, um, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write that book.
1: Well, um, I never intended to write that book. Um, but I started, um, blogging publicly about our adoption, like when we were kind of in our adoption process and, um we ended up being in the middle of this huge immigration debacle with, uh, with trying to bring Lucy back to Australia. And um, she and I got stuck in the US while my husband and other three kids were in Australia. And it was this crazy thing that had never happened before. And I kind of kept writing, kept writing. And the blog was going viral and like thousands of people were following our story. And um, we finally got reunited in the end. You'll have to read the book to find out, but how, but um, you know, people were like, you have got to turn this into a book. This story is so crazy. And just the things that God did in my heart, in that process and just the gospel parallels that came out were just beautiful. So um, that, so that was my first book writing experience, never intended to do it, but it, it was such a blessing to get to share her story.
0: Oh, what a blessing. And out of that, you've also written another book, a devotional really, called 30 Days of Hope for Adoptive Parents. Now, was your heart behind that? Just, just was it w- w- what it says because of all of the crazy, um, you know, unexpected things that come with adopting?
1: Yeah, well, a, uh, a publisher approached me that had read um, Bringing Lucy Home And they had a a series called this 30, 30 Days of Hope series, and they had been looking for someone to write one about adoption. And, um, and I was so thrilled to be able to share the themes that I learned, you know, adoption is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It is also heartbreaking, and it's born out of brokenness and, and pain. And, um, and there's pain for the adopted child, but there's also hardship for the adoptive parents as well. And so my goal in this book was I wanted adoptive parents to be seen, and I wanted them to see the adoptive heart of uh, of our father. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the the message behind that book, and it's been really neat to, to see other adoptive parents be encouraged by it.
0: Mm. Oh, how great. So families, definitely... Check out those two if you're interested in, or if you have adopted before, pick up "Bringing Lucy Home," um, Jennifer Phillips' book. We'll have the links in the show notes there, as well as to the 30 Days of Hope for adoptive parents. So that that's such a nice little little caveat, Jennifer, that you have that experience as adoptive parents as well. It's sort of, um, it I think it rounds out that 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 family well as well. We we did a uh, podcast on you know adoption and God's heart for family with with other you know. Folks Folks who advocate for that and state workers, so understanding the gamut of what what families really enter into when it um, w- when they make the choice to step out in faith and do that is just is just incredible. There's so much encouragement mm. out there, and I thank you so much for listening to the Lord and writing these books. That's so great, so great. Yeah.
1: Well, um, he God was very faithful to to provide in that process.
0: <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, I've invited you on today because of this one. Article. And it, it seems um, that this doesn't happen very often, but this one article really, really impacted me. We're not talking about a whole book. It's just really your mom thoughts on when your kids won't bow to your idols. And I know this is based on a quote by, by Dan Allender, mm-hmm. in which your, your article quotes him as saying, One of the biggest sources of conflict between you and your kids is when they refuse to bow down to your idols. Now, that was intriguing, because now it makes me want to read more. What mm-hmm. in the world could I be idolizing in parenthood that would keep um, that would break that relationship possibly with my kids? So in your article, you talked about four: control, success, convenience, and reputation. <laughs> Can you explain <laughs> those a little bit?
1: Well, uh, it's not limited to those four, but I think that those four are probably the ones that surface the most in in my life. And so, yeah, kind of the idea is, um, you know, when you look at when you have conflict with your kids, we're so often um, we so often think, oh, you know, I'm I'm just really concerned about my child's righteousness and their obedience and um, becoming a godly. Young man or woman, and but really, if we look further um, and look deeper, uh, what I think is more often the case is there is something that we are holding too tightly, and that child is shaking <laughs> the, that idol, um, and our response becomes disproportionate to what actually is going on. And so, for me, um, you know, I think about control, you know, like so often what I'm upset about is the fact that they just won't do what I want them to do, that I'm trying to control them, you know, and wanting them to be a certain way or do a certain thing. And it's more about me getting my way Mm -hmm. than about what's best for that child. You know, so that would be control. Um, Think thing about convenience, you know, how often is it more about we just want them to stop because they're driving us crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, um, Paul Tripp uh, has a book called Parenting. And he says that so often we're irritated that we have to walk down the hall and parent our child one more time. Mm-hmm. And And that's true. It's like, I just want to sit here and read my book or drink my cup of tea or, you know, whatever. And you are inconveniencing me with what, you know, whatever is going on. So it could be, yeah, idolizing convenience. Um, what are the others? What are the other two you said? Oh, (laughs)
0: success, success and reputation, success and Mm -hmm. reputation. That's right. Okay. So yeah, success. Um, do we get
1: upset because our child isn't, um, having the athletic career that we want them to have or, you know, or the academic performance or, you know, whatever it is that we call successful in our eyes. And they're just not measuring up to that. How often are we trying to control and squeeze to try to get um, for them to be successful? And it shakes us that they're not. Mm. Um, Or, you know, for me, this is big reputation. How much of my um, angst over, their behavior or attitude has more to do with how I'm being viewed as a parent, you know, their behavior reflects on me. You're embarrassing me (laughs) because you're not towing the line and I'm gonna let you have it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I see those all four of those I see in my life over and over again. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel those things every single day. Every day, <laughs> yeah. and and that's probably yeah. why this uh, this article impacted me so much. And and I that a, a lot of times at Practical Family too, and in articles with different guests, we've talked uh, a lot about personality types. I just finished reading this uh, great book called "Unnatural Mom: Why You Were the Best Mom for Your Kids," and it yeah. it really it gives grace in in the the uh, sense that, you know, we are all uniquely created and we all have unique temperaments, you know. So mm-hmm. have you ever thought about that? The the way that our natural temperaments affect the way that we react to our kids? Because because I read your article and I'm going, yep, yep, me too, Jen, me too, you know. <laughs> and, and I thought, wow, she must be like a, either a type A or a firstborn child or something like me. But I I, I don't know, I don't want to assume, it is is that necessarily true? Do you see those correlations at all?
1: I, yeah, I do think that definitely comes into play, and it's funny. I'm not type A or a firstborn, Ooh, but okay. but I am my my Myers Briggs is INFJ, mm. and um, I would never because I, I can be kind of disorganized. Um, you would think that I'm not um, controlling or like a rule follower, but actually. Like I have this, this sense of, INFJs have this sense of this is the way it's supposed to be. Right. You know, right. And maybe mm-hmm. it's more of a sense of justice. Like this is the way it's supposed to be. And I'm passionate about this because it's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so for me, you know, I think about when my kids were, were first, born. I, I was going to become a mom for the first time. And there was a certain book that everybody was reading and going by. And that was the book I was told to read. And this book read like A plus B equals C. So if you do this. And this, then your child will do this. And so I was like, okay, well this is the way it's supposed to be. And when I did this, and he didn't do this, boy, I was angry because, um, excuse me, like I did what the book told me <laughs> to do, and you are not responding the way you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that makes me angry. So does that make sense? It's more like this is how it's supposed to be, and you know, it better be this way.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and why would you test that? Why, why would you, uh, child, why would you go outside <laughs> of the boundary that I right. set? And uh, oh, I, I can't help but think, be- because I mean, even when I, I began writing for Practical Family, I think that that was the beginning of my mindset, Jen, that I wanted to help parents to realize a formula that worked. I mean, I didn't say that, but I I think I I felt it in every sense of my cuz I am also INFJ. <laughs> I mean, Are you? I you have care? to it's funny. I have to turn on the the extrovert when I do things like this, you know, talking uh-huh. and things like this. But um I'd rather just cozy up and, you know, have all my my ducks in a row and everything, but it it just makes yeah. me feel a sense of peace and calm and, you know, so, so the things that bring order, and we know that God is a God of order, not that you know we are next to godliness when we are <laughs> more fans <laughs> yeah. of order, but that um, that that peace comes when there's just not a lot of extra, you know, th- that extra distraction. Mm-hmm. But when when our children's behavior threatens our sense of order, maybe it's our personal preferences, our personal sense of order. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that's when it can become idolatry because nothing else matters, but what you've, what you've made the most important. And in that moment, it's, it's order.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, you know, um, or whatever it is that you're, you're treasuring, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and however that, that, that lines up with your personality, you know, it could be that you have a super, laid back personality. And then you have a kid that is really uptight Mm -hmm. and that could drive you nuts because you want them to be laid back like you and go with the flow and, you know, not get so upset about things. And so that could threaten your, yeah, kind of sense of what you find to be tranquil and, Mm
0: -hmm. and the way the
1: day should, should go.
0: Mm, That makes sense. Yeah, that makes Mm. sense. So where do you think these ex- expectations come from? The, the, the whole how our children should behave? Because I, I sense a lot coming from, um, well, the, the culture. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, even when husband and wife marry, they, they kind of bring together different senses of parenting based on how they were raised in their culture and things. And we've certainly seen a lot of that in our house. But
1: also mm-hmm. maybe
0: maybe the, I was thinking, it, well, is it the church? Like if you're kind of having this, this sense of, Christianity and good godly parents raise their kids this way and their kids act mm-hmm. this way and they need to be pinned up and dressed up and, and, e- e- you know, either on the outside or on the inside and their temperament should always be respectful. You know, I, yeah. I, I could go yeah. on because I, I can just picture this and why is that picture so clear to me? Maybe it's because it's been burdening me for years, but what what are you seeing in that? What have your experiences been raising your kids?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of things. I do think that it's the culture. You know, like like I said, when I, when my kids were young, the the Christian culture kind of um, at least that I was in was really um, advocating this one method, and so if you didn't do this method, like I I can remember. Um, looking down on other moms didn't that didn't use this method mm-hmm. because I was like, Oh, I mean, what are they thinking? Like they're going to ruin their kids. <laughs> when, like that method was not in the Bible. You know, that was just kind of what the popular method was in the, you know, the ch- kind of, uh, community that I was a part of at the time. Um, but that, so that was the expectation at the time. So I think it is, you know, a lot of cultural, I think, um, for women, our identity is very easily tied up in our kids. You know, that's kind of, whereas, you know, I think a lot of times men, it's their tendency is more their, their identity can be tied up in their work, like for mothers, like how our kids are doing, behaving, whatever. um, Our identity can really get wrapped up in that. So I think the pressure comes there as well. Um, And I think, uh, it It really saddens me to see um that I think a lot of times in the Christian culture there's this misconception that um sanctification leads to competence um like you know the 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 more you grow in your faith, then that means um just the celestial the struggle period, mm-hmm. and that's not true. I would say that sanctification. Well, it does lead to holiness. Also, it just leads to a greater, I think, understanding of your sin and a greater dependence on the Lord. It does not take away the struggle. And but when we think, uh, okay, to grow my faith means competence. That means, yep. So my kids should be behaving and they should sit still in church and I should be consistent all the time. You know, in my discipline, I should never raise my voice and I should never struggle with feeling like I'm losing my mind. You know, with these three toddlers in the house or, you know, whatever. And then there's shame and guilt and, you know, all that that comes with it. And so it's like, how can I control, how can I control to um, make everybody cooperate with this picture that I think this is how our family should look. A good Christian family should look and behave. And that is a recipe for disaster.
0: (laughs) Mm, Yeah, yeah, I feel it. I I, I can feel that it's, it's uh, over the years. I, I think Especially at the point in my life when I was taking on too much, you know I was working full time in ministry and and this is especially for families who are who tend to be up front in in ministry, whether they're on the prayer team or you know the pastoral team or the elder you know it, mm-hmm. they, their children are looked at i think the closest because mm-hmm. people people are looking for answers they're looking for a recipe that works, you know, well, okay, I'm a new Christian. I'm coming in, I'm looking at leadership and, oh, how are their kids doing, you know? And yeah. you and I know that the pastor's kids in a lot of churches tend to be the worst <laughs> because, you know, and, and I don't mean to to put that blanket on everybody, but every one of us struggles with trying to maintain a sense of not just order in our home, but godliness. God, what does that look like? And and at the same time, when we're taking taken away or our time is prioritized serving everyone else but our family, that is also not okay. And so where are we going to have downtime and shut everything off, turn our phone off and just be with our family so that our kids trust us? Now, there, even though that their behavior, and you, and you talked in the article too about you know, having uh, a strong will child. Um, I also have a, <laughs> my second-born child marches to his own drum. Uh-huh. He is, <laughs> I laugh when I think of him because every, even this morning, every single day, it's the same thing. He cannot get his stuff <laughs> together. <laughs>
1: Uh, solidarity and, sister solidarity. Oh I Lord
0: Jesus, I'm constantly <laughs> like, and then I feel guilty for constantly feeling like I have to remind him. But does this kid need reminders? He obviously does because he does this every morning. But uh-huh. but you know, and when do we let them fail? And when do we you know? He mm-hmm. definitely learns from his mistakes. But um, but I, I I go crazy because I honestly worry about his well being. Like I ask myself, will he ever? learn. Mm-hmm. What is what I'm doing uh, more yeah. for me? Like I need him to behave in this way versus mm-hmm. I need to look at him and love him and appreciate him for who he is. Mm-hmm. Where does that begin and end? I just don't even, I can't wrap my mind around that sometimes, but yeah. how, how, how do you, how were you relating that even to the idea of having an idol
1: mm-hmm.
0: in our parenting? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we we do have a a child that um that does struggle with uh, uh yeah well that does march to his own drum and um doesn't toe the line like I would uh, like him to, and I think you know really like God has used him more probably more than anything else in my life to reveal these idols in me because it is like mm-hmm. am I really I'm really upset that, um, you know, over his sin or am I just upset that he won't get with the program and how much pressure am I putting just to get with the program? Cause that is easier for me and that makes me look good. And then I don't have to be fearful, you know, of, of the future or whatever. And I think what I'm um, learning more and more is, it is. Uh, it is not my responsibility. Like I, I can't control the outcome in this child's life or the others. You know, like there are too many other factors at play, and I, I want to be faithful. I, I can't be perfectly faithful because that's not possible either. But I wanna, I wanna try to be faithful in shepherding, but releasing. Control of this is all up to me to manufacture a godly child. Like mm-hmm. who can do that? I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, all, only the Spirit can work in His life or any of my kids' lives for them to want to know Him and walk with Him. And um, and it, it's hard. Like I, it's something that I have to be reminded of over and over. And if I'm not, I'm forgetting to tell myself. I need my husband or somebody else to tell me. Like this is not your responsibility. Keep being faithful. But you can't control, you can't control him. You can't control the outcome, and you're going to drive yourself crazy if you, if you keep trying and putting
0: that pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I hear that. I I think I, I can recall most easily all the things that do push my buttons. But when, when I do choose to just release and say, okay, I can't control this. God, this is why I need you, right? This is why you have mm-hmm. promised to help us in our time of trouble, in our time of parenting, in our mm-hmm. in our marriages. You know, when we're conflicting uh, with our spouses, even or or if we're um, conflicted over uh, making a lifestyle change, like a new diet or exercise or any anything like that 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 is contrary to our natural will and our natural need for for peace, survival, or whatever you want to call it, you know, it's, it's truly has to be a supernatural thing. It seems for, for us to trust the Lord with all of these things, including our parenting and to say, God, I I want to, I, I want to yell at him. I want to, I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted whatever you you feel like doing to or at your child at that moment. Yeah. God, I want, this is what <laughs> my flesh is telling me to do, mm-hmm. but what does he need right now? And most often my sweet little loud little boy, little doesn't do what I say does the exact opposite (laughs) makes me wait for him because he has to finish (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. most often than not he needs to he needs a hug he needs to be loved and he needs to know that mommy's connected to him and that he's not always trying to be naughty he's just he's on a different wavelength most of the time
1: yeah And for me, too, like, I think it's so helpful for me to to remember God's patience with me. You know, and I think about the things that I have struggled with for years and the things that continue to trip me up. And, you know, God isn't saying, well, you just get with the program. Like, (laughs) have you not gotten this by now? Mm -hmm. You know, no, he's not that way. He he continues to patiently pursue. Um, He continues to love. He is so, so faithful and kind. And like when I remember that, that I am not like a completed, um, picture, you know, either like I have not robbed and I won't until I get to heaven. And it, it helps me have compassion and come alongside and, and remember that, okay, this child and I are on the same team. We're fighting on the same side against the common enemy of sin. Mm-hmm. And we're not fighting each other uh, it's not me against you. It's hey, we are we are in this together, and um, I want to come alongside you. Let's
0: let's fight this together. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful picture. Yeah, just switch that perspective around for sure.
1: For mm-hmm. sure,
0: I love that. Well, and you ended the article this way as well. Um, that just the fact that we need to remember that God is parenting us. That every mm-hmm. relationship, every Every encounter that we have on earth is a reflection of how he relates with us in some way. And
1: mm-hmm. so
0: how does this then, how, how does how do you think God extends his grace as a loving father when we don't listen or mess up? And how can we emulate that? Like what are some practical ways that we can then turn around and be that for our kids?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think I love like reading um, Jesus's interactions with people on Earth. That like, he was the the perfect balance of grace and truth, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. yes, <Well>, um, he was.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. and obviously
1: we can't attain that. You know, we're never going to be that winsome and wise and whatever. But I think just remembering. That's how he deals with us and our sin is with grace and truth, both, you know, convicting of our sin, yet, um, his eyes are compassionate and kind. They're not accusatory and, you know, he's not scolding with his finger you know, in front of mm-hmm. our faces. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I do try to remember, like, you know, when I'm in my kid's face and, you know, I, I, it hits me sometimes like, when would I ever, like, how would I respond if somebody was in my face like that? Like, would I ever say, you are so right. Thank you. <laughs> like, Thank you for pointing that out. And I will change immediately. Like, <laughs> ne- you know, never. Why do we think that'll work with our kids? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, just remember he's gracious. Result. He doesn't. He doesn't compromise truth. He convicts of sin but he extends grace and says okay come on back come on back we're in this together i love you i love you i love you and so mm. um yeah wanting to 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 model that for the you know our kids extending grace and truth but i think also and remembering that god is parenting us in the hard parenting moments is really comforting you know when you're in that standoff with a child and you do just want to scream or you know, do something you're going to be embarrassed of in five minutes, um, to know that in that moment that God is parenting you and you can call to your heavenly father and say, help, Mm -hmm. like you you were saying before, like, please help me right now. I'm, you know, I'm idolizing my convenience. I'm idolizing control. Mm -hmm. I'm idolizing, you know, success, whatever it is, forgive me, please help me to love this child I don't know how right now please show me and he's there in that moment to parent us through that we're not alone Mm -hmm. and that really gosh that that is so helpful for me to remember Mm,
0: absolutely yes it reminds me of that the need uh, that that they say when you're trying to to overcome an obstacle or 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 make that lifestyle change like like I often find myself getting because I work at home I get up and I go get snacks all the time and I, uh-huh. I have to pause and ask myself, wait, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Or are you just, this is just just habit for you. So mm-hmm. in the same way, when I feel like you know getting after my my kids, whoa, 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 wait, wait, are are you yelling at them again? Because all you want to do is get to bed yourself, and you and and they're up yeah. asking you all the questions in the world <laughs> right before mm-hmm. they're supposed to go to sleep, mm-hmm. or you know something like that, and it's about convenience and not about honoring their heart because no matter if they have to you know you have to get to bed so you can get up early and we can keep on the schedule and da, 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 like okay yes like discipline sure and we need mm-hmm. to do that as parents but mm-hmm.
1: if we're not
0: able to stop just for a few minutes and attend to their heart because they want a special connection with mommy then that sacred and beautiful piece of parenting could easily be lost just because I'm idolizing my schedule I don't know what do you think Jen yeah,
1: I think just extending grace and truth, you know, grace and truth, grace and truth that, you know, that we don't want to compromise the truth of wanting to um, to help them be convicted of sin, but also the grace of that you're mine and I love you and we're in this together. You know, and Jesus did that perfectly over and over again. We're not going to do it perfectly, but striving for, you know, grace and truth um, instead of just wanting to hammer with the law <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like we so often can do um, to remember how gracious God is with us and the way that he parents us. And and then also remembering in those tough parenting moments that he's parenting us in that moment saying, hey, you know, listen to yourself. What are you holding too tightly here? You don't have to do this. You don't want to go down this road. This really isn't what you want. Here's how you choose love. Um, just to, knowing that he's with us in those moments when we really feel alone can can be a game changer. Oh, I'm not alone. He's right here with me. He's counseling me. Um, what does this child need? What does my heart need right now? He's here with me in this moment, giving me exactly what I need.
0: Right. Amen. He is everything that we need. Absolutely. And practical family listeners, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that our messages and our guests here are here to help encourage you in the same walk. You know, if you're going through these things with your own kids or wrestling in your own mind, you know, how do I, how do I start to be more gracious with them? Or, or may, maybe you didn't see that it was an issue in your heart to begin with. How can we start to work on those things in ourselves as parents so that we can then outwardly express God's love and his care and compassion to our children. Well, thank you mm-hmm. so much, Jennifer, for being on the podcast with us today. It was an absolute pleasure. And and I uh, wish you well with your the coming out with your new book, um, Unhitching from the Crazy Train, Finding Rest in a World that You Can't Control, which came out February 5th.
1: That's right. That's right. And really, it's funny, I, I wrote this with... Um, Julie Sparkman, who's a counselor and teacher here in the States, it's based on a a lecture series that she has, but it's so neat because really the themes line up perfectly with the theme of this article of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, recognizing our idols and things that we're trying to control that really we can't control and what does it look like to
0: rest, rest in the Lord amidst the chaos. So amen. Amen. Well, I'll let you get back to your sweet family. (laughs) Your precious little girl came in in the middle of our uh, interview and needed her mama. So we'll let you go to her now. And I thank you so much for your time, Jen. God bless you. Thanks so much. You've been listening to my conversation with author and blogger Jennifer Phillips, whose new book just came out this week called Unhitching from the Crazy Train, Finding Rest in a World You Can't Control. Remember, she has two other books called 30 Days of Hope for Adoptive Parents and Bringing Lucy Home, a story of hope, heartache, and happiness, which chronicles their experience uh, adopting a little girl from China. So pick those up today at your local Christian bookstore, or you can order them directly from Amazon by clicking on our link in the show notes. And as always, check out our resources at practicalfamily.org. Go to the resources tab and recommended reading. We've got all kinds of awesome books there for your personal study or Bible study or home group or church. Um, you're bound to find something there that you'll enjoy and use and grow on. So thank you again, families, for joining us on the Practical Family Podcast. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest, and don't forget to join our community, our Practical Family Community, where you'll get emails from me every week. Uh, they're more personal, actually. I get I get a I get more personal in those emails to the community than I do in the blog posts. So you're going to get really exclusive material and opportunities to win giveaways if you join. The practical family community through our email list. You've been listening to the practical family podcast where we are here to encourage families to build strong foundations and healthy homes.